Hey, we're in sync. <laughs> 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 All right, got lots joining us today. So we got John tuning in from Westway IT, commercial networks from the UK. See, well, lots from UK. So, Pathik, uh, let us know where you're tuning in from. Simon is from UK. And IT Rockstars. So, looks like we're all over the place. We got some LinkedIn, some YouTube. So, that's awesome. Scott's from to... the UK. He's right. from Scotland. Well, it's still the UK at the time of recording, so. <laughs> if Nicola Sturgeon has her way, Richard, will. <laughs> well, awesome. We are that time of year. Welcome to the Not an MSP show. I think this is like episode 37, something like that. So, wow. Sounds about right. At the business planning time of year, the unsexy part of running a business, if you will. Uh, so we thought we'd jump in. If you're just joining us, say what's up in the chat. Tell us where you're uh, tuning in from. And if you're listening to this on the podcast replay, we want to welcome you and thank you for listening as well. If you're on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe to the YouTube channel so we can get that, you know, Pete knows. We got to get that YouTube algorithm thing going. So I normally say that if your videos aren't getting uh, seen and views, then you just need to make better videos. So I don't, I don't know what that says about this podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. See what happens. So, all right. So let's let's talk about business planning and and again the unsexy part of running an MSP and kind of the neglected part I think of running an MSP. Excuse me, running an MSP. Um, so who wants to kick us off first? What, why do you think it's important? And I think, you know, one, when we neglected it, what's the difference between business and hitting your goals and not hitting your goals? I'll kick it off first because it surprises me the number of people that don't do any form of business planning, which is like the main thing I think that I wanted to get through with, you know, this, this, this one today. Because, I mean, you're calling it unsexy, but I actually find it's like, almost the sexiest part because that's the time you get chance to like set your goals and set what you want to do next year and 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 very importantly how many holidays do you want to have next year so like the first thing i would do for like business planning is just straight away just go and put in your diary for at least one week long holidays next year like every quarter book in a holiday now you've got some time off like pre-booked and pre-planned that you can like work around and figure out how to do things and so of course yeah you know scheduling everything else in and like figuring out how much revenue and turnover and profit and how many staff you want to hire and, you know, all those kind, kind of cool things. Um, but, but realistically, it kind of comes down to the, um, the work-life balance thing. For, mainly, I find for most people, because everyone's stressed. No one has enough time in the day. Everyone's wondering about, you know, oh, how am I going to get through next year? But honestly, if you can get that time booked off, it, it does really, really work because if you pre-book things off, you're going to work towards them. You're going to make sure you've got all the work done in time, you know, book a pay deposits on a, I don't know, a Disneyland trip or, or something like that. Like put, put something in the sand where you cannot like change it. You cannot delay it, move it, cancel it, whatever it's going to be. And, um, and even like tell all your friends about it, tell your family. So you've committed that they're having a holiday. Now you've got the pressure that you need to deliver until that holiday happens. Um, but th that's kind of the main, I guess, maybe just to start off, us off because the, the sheer number of people that don't plan whatsoever and they're just kind of going, ah, we'll just take it as it comes. You know, if we get a few customers, great. But, um, you know, e equally, if you are planning, 
then you've got something to work towards. It's like if, if you're not planning, then you're really just kind of aimlessly wandering around, not really kind of knowing what you're doing. Great. Yeah, we've got a new client in. But if you have those goals set, if you know you want some time off, if you know you want to, I don't know, buy a house or you need to you know, replace some of your fleet of cars, if you've got car leases, you need some money to be able to afford that stuff. Well, now you can put in a plan and figure out and scale that right back to, okay, well, how many clients do I need to get, you know, every single week or every single month? How many prospects do I need to speak to? How many meetings do I need to book? How many quotes do I need to quote? Just kind of running it all the way back through something that's more digestible than just, oh, well, we need to generate another 100 grand of revenue yet next year, which just sounds unfathomable to some people. If you can scale it right back to small bite-sized chunks, then it's way, way more uh, more doable, more achievable. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad you threw that life work-life balance in first. Yep. Yeah, I was just saying, Pete, in the, uh, the chat, everybody says work-life balance, don't they? And I was taught years ago by uh, a great friend and mentor of mine, Arlen Sorensen, he said it's life-work balance because life always comes first. And I really like what you're saying about the planning. I think most people, when it comes to business planning, they think that it's that thing, you know, when we started off in business and it's like, yeah, you've got to have a business plan and we envisage some sort of printed manual that you give to a bank manager when you're applying for a loan, a business loan or something like that. That's not what business planning is. You know, of course, there's financial elements to it. But for me, business plan, we need to change the naming around it. Something it could be, I don't know if you wanted to go woo woo, it could be like dream planning or future planning, whatever you want to call it. But it's all about what Pete says. What worked for you over the past 12 months and what do you want to do more of? What didn't work for you and what are you going to do less of over the next 12 months? Those are two big areas of planning that I'd recommend to people. But the big part of this, of course, is what life do you want to have over the next 12 months? You know, so if you didn't take a holiday and I think all of us on this show will know and many people uh, watching or listening at home will know the MSP industry is just terrible for people taking time off and uh, people taking time out. And that is what's needed. You need to take the time out uh, regularly uh, to think, to do some planning, to get some idea of where you want to go. Because how does the old phrase go? If you've got no destination in mind, uh, uh, any direction is uh, <laughs> is going to work for you. You've got to have a destination in mind. And it doesn't have to be financial. It could be life related. It could be, you know, what you want to get out because the business has got to serve you at the end of the day. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. What about you, Scott? I'm just, I'm, I'm blown away that, uh, that we didn't get the air horns. Uh, Andrew, oh, you, you want some air horns there? We'll do some yeah. applause and some air horns. How's that? Oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. Cause like take a holiday, book that holiday. And I love it. I, I mean, I've just taken that away as a piece of advice. I, I love that because we, we keep talking about doing that Disneyland trip and we say, oh, you know, when the kids get to the right age, when they get to the right age, well, guess what? Next year, they are the right age. And so now's the time to book in that Disneyland trip and it's going to cost an absolute fortune. Um, and that needs planning for, but like exactly as you said, Pete, if we don't put the dates in the diary, all that'll happen is we'll just keep working up and working up and going, oh, I need to take a week off. I need to take two weeks off. I'll, I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. And then you never do because there's always a client, there's always a project, there's always an emergency. Um, and I think, you know, just pre-planning helps everybody set their expectations. Um, also, it falls nicely alongside my personal mission to become useless in my business, because when you think about taking time off, um, especially in the, the agile MSP space, 
you have to have everything lined up. Like the systems and processes have to work. The business has to run without you. So you can have that week off or two weeks off, not exclusively. It doesn't have to be completely independent, although that is a great goal. But I think it forces you to go, oh, well, if I need those two weeks off, like that's payroll week. Like how do... How do I get the payroll through? How do I get the banking done? Because I'm the only one who has access to the bank account. And these are great times to challenge yourself and go, okay, well, again, you know, look at that list of things that you do. Does it have to be me? Is there a way to automate it? Is there someone who could do it better than me or faster than me? Keep looking at that list of things. Um, but your your whole idea of, of taking some time out, Pete, really inspired me then to also think we again, as that, you know, for me, I sit in that kind of player manager role and I always look at it and go, well, how do we, how do we find the funding for that? How do I find the cash for that? How do I take enough money out of the business to pay me well enough to go and do the Disneyland trip? Um, and we've talked about this before, Pete, and I'm sure you still talk about it with MSP coaching clients. Cause it's where I, you know, I came across the concept with you, which is Mike McAllowitz's profit first, right? Where you take that money as you go, you take your profit every month and you do it, um, I was gonna say religiously, but that's not what I meant, but you do it consistently. You take that money as it comes in. You don't keep telling yourself the story. Well, when we get to the end of the financial year and, and we do all the sums, then I'll look at taking some dividends to myself because you don't, you've spent the money by then. You, you spent it on all kinds of things over the last 12 months. But if every month you set aside some profit for yourself, some money for yourself, and you pay yourself every month, you will have the cash for that Disneyland trip. You'll have that cash for that home renovation, that new car, whatever it is. But if you keep telling yourself in the same way, I'm going to save up and take a holiday, I'm going to save up and pay myself at some point, it doesn't happen. So I like to think of this as challenging yourself for the next year. What have you What have you done this year? Did you get that holiday? Did you get paid? Did you get that dividend you promised yourself? Because if you didn't, now's the time to start putting those plans and structures in place for next year. And I can honestly say Mike McCallowitz and Profit First is a great way if you're in that agile MSP player manager role. It's definitely a great resource for you to check out. Yeah, Mike's so there a was, good guy. There was something that we did that kind of wraps around that whole piece with like including the profit first and the the planning and the holidays. And I think I've probably even shown it to you, Scott, before, but um, every single year, at the end of the year, we sit down and we have this uh, like an A5, uh, not an A5, sorry, like an A3 sheet of paper with the next 12 months written on it. And you're literally plotting out what's going to happen over the next 12 months. So you're going to put in your four holidays. So that's in there. You're going to put in how much those holidays cost. So you've got the costings behind them as well. And sometimes maybe even when the deposit's due versus the remaining balance, so you know exactly when the payments fall. Um, you're going to put in other, starting with personal things in there first. So the personal things you want to do, like the, the doing up the house or the buying a car or, you know, having another kid or, you know, whatever you might need for kind of your own personal world. And then once you've got the personal stuff in there, then you need to figure out, well, how does the business deliver what my personal life needs? Because it's not meant to be the other around. It's not just growing the business for the business sake. It's delivering for your own personal goals. You know, why are we all in this at the end of the day is to try and improve our own personal situations. So then you scale that back to the business. Well, maybe the business needs to generate, you know, X number of profit now to deliver the personal stuff. But maybe to deliver the X number of profit, you now need to hire, you know, another one or two members of staff or maybe the few more members of staff to be able to retain um, that amount of profit, maybe to do the, the revenue, the turnover. And so, like I said, you're scaling it all the way back. 
But in terms of hooking in the, the profit first thing, literally at the bottom of every single month, so you've got like January, February, March, like the whole kind of 12 months, at the bottom of every single month there, there was the profit first figure that we were aiming to take out of the business. Um, and not just the figure, but the percentage. And so for anyone who's, you know, just getting started with being able to like withdraw profits from their business, start with 1%. If you can withdraw, sorry, if you can't withdraw 1% of your revenue a month into your own bank account as a profit, then there's probably bigger issues at hand. Um, most people can probably lose a percent without really noticing it. It's one of those things that you probably spend it on something else anyway, so you might as well take it into your bank first. And then at the bottom of those 12 months, just increase that percentage. You know, I was trying to get up up towards like 10 or 15% in terms of profit, but we were, I think we were around um, maybe five to 7% as we were kind of working towards that. But you know, when you're doing like a, you know, a million, I mean, million pound revenue, going from like 5% to 6% is still quite a big chunk of change in difference um, every single month. So just plan that in. And as you're taking the more money, that's obviously more money is going into the pot to pay for the holidays and scales up from there. Um, and also just don't don't pretend you need to earn that from like January next year. Okay, we've got our next 12 months planned. Well, now I need to like do it all in January because we need to pay for everything. Make sure you're kind of progressively increasing it each month. Don't, don't expect miracles. Just assume perhaps one new client a month, you know, something very attainable, very achievable, something you can really go back and get bike sized chunks of, okay, well, how many prospects do we need to speak to, to get that one client a month? Again, how many meetings, how many uh, quotes do we need to send? Typically I find people are like a 50, 50 closing rate. So once they're in through the door, it's maybe a 50, 50 chance. So, you know, if you're going to close one of every two businesses, well, you need to speak to two businesses every month and quote them, you know, it's, it's that kind of kind of simple approach that works quite well. But yeah, just literally get a piece of paper, sketch out 12 months, sketch out what it looks like personally, then figure out what the business need to, needs to deliver to do the personal stuff. And that's kind of where you start off from your, you know, 12 month plan um, and bring other people in, bring in your partners, your wives, husbands, bring in, you know, senior management uh, team in the business as well, in terms of being able to deliver the business vision that there's tons of stuff you can do. Um, I don't know if anyone here does it. I have a feeling Scott might, you might do it, but do like a annual planning day or a weekend or retreat where you just go and kind of you, you book a nice hotel somewhere or a little kind of holiday villa and you just literally take your team away and go plan the next 12 months completely separated from the business maybe yes even on a weekend so it's technically in your own personal time but it's a fun personal time because you're like i don't know at center parks or something you're having fun and you're doing like weird activities in between but you can at least plan out with your team the next 12 months. Sorry, that was like a massively long rant like I normally do, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's important too, we touched on a couple things, and Pete, you've seen it, Richard, I know you've seen it talking to MSPs, is paying yourself enough. I've helped a half dozen companies transition out of the MSP just because they've created a business that is just a job. They've created yeah. themselves a $50,000 a year paycheck on a million dollars in revenue, which is insane. I mean, it's just, you're not paying yourself enough. Um, so I'm glad you guys touched on that and started with that first as well. 
Well, let's give a shout out for, for Profit First. You, you threw up the, the URL. I did an interview with Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First. And uh, surreal situation, by the way. Uh, did the interview with him in bed in um, uh, Santa Barbara. I'll say no more about that, but there we go. I'll leave that one. I'll just throw that one out there and leave it there. But Mike is a former um, MSP owner himself or ran an IT solution provider uh, back in the day. But Profit First, you know, we love giving book recommendations here. Scott, uh, Pete, myself, Andrew, myself, and you know, we all read avid readers of the books. But Profit First was a real game changing book for me because, as you know, Andrew said there earlier, too often MSP owners are the last people to get paid and it needs to be the other way around. So if I was to, I'm not gonna say dumb profit first down, but if I was to really simplify it, for those of us who from uh, maybe from a working class background like myself, uh, who had maybe a uh, 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 dad came home, he'd got his paycheck uh, and what would happen is he'd give the money to uh, uh, to my mom and my mom would put, the, uh, 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 put some money in one envelope for bills. She'd put another envelope for Christmas savings. She'd put another envelope for you know, whatever it might be. So if anybody's familiar with that envelope system where you literally get the money in and you divvy it up before it can be spent on frivolous things, um, that is essentially what Profit First is. It's about saying, okay, if you were to pay yourself first, what transformational effect would that have on the business? Because trust me, everybody listening to this, everybody watching this, if you paid yourself first, it would transform the way that you view your business from you being almost a slave to your business to the business being there to support your life. And going back to what we said right at the start that Pete so very well put, you know, it's got to be about the business serving you and your life. This is not work life balance this is life work balance so make sure you make it about your life first of all yeah mike's a good guy i met mike in 2012 um in nashville um it was funny because i saw him on stage and i thought i took a stab i'm like i sent him a tweet during his presentation i'm like hey you know love to meet you i'll buy beers tonight took me up on that offer we went to dinner that night but he was instrumental in helping me sell my msp um, so he's got a lot of insights. One of the first books that I read from him was pumpkin plan. Uh, so I think that too, this time of year, I scheduled that regular pruning time in my business. So we did this, you know, a minimum every quarter, we'd go back and look, how do we prune the vine? Basically, if you, have you guys read the pumpkin plan? Um, no. Okay. Bas basically the whole concept of that is just literal pumpkin farmers that if you're going to grow a prize winning pumpkin that you you do all that you can to nurture that and all of that you know the the stragglers the the dead fruit if you will on the vine you make time to clip that off and those are your bad customers and we all have them um and i think and that was one of the things that i struggled with was getting rid of customers especially going into the new year, especially going in, okay, I've got to have every dollar that we can get. Unfortunately, every, when we keep saying yes to the parts of the vine that are sucking the life out of the stuff that's actually making us money, the customers we like to deal with, the customers that pay on time, the customers we're actually delivering results for, the longer we keep saying yes to the bad fruit on the vine, the less time we're going to have, the less resources, the less bandwidth we're going to have to our prize winning customers. 
Uh, and I know, again, this time of year is super scary to do that. But I think this is the time of year to do that, especially going into what's coming up next year. I mean, the big R words coming back, it's, it's being used more and more. But I think having the customers and taking care of the customers that you want to do business with, the ones that you would like to clone and have more of, you're going to need all the bandwidth that you can muster to take care of them in the new year and to take care of them in ways that where it may not, uh, it may not cost you a lot of money. We've talked about that on the last couple, couple weeks doing those extra things. Are there extra things that you can do in the coming new year to better take care of those customers so that they stick around? Um, what are you guys, what are your thoughts on, you know, weeding out bad customers and do you have a, did you have a plan when you ran your MSP and, uh, let's just you know bounce that around a little bit. I, I don't know. I'm I'm in kind of two. I've got two two scenarios for, for both sides of the argument, which worked out quite well for us. We had a client that was one of our worst clients. They were you know most time consuming, stressful, difficult. Everything would take like forever to get approved, and we kind of outlived <laughs> our IT contacts at that client. The IT contact changed. We had a new IT contact step in, and the relationship improved. But we waited like three or four years for that to happen. Um, Whereas, so, so in that instance, it worked well to obviously wait them out versus the, you know, perhaps you could argue the four years of waiting probably cost more than it did to what we got out of the, what happened after that. But um, on the flip side of things, we've had a few situations where we just knew the clients, you know, they, they weren't that good. They were wasting time. They were taking up too much of our own time and resources on, on silly little things. And in certainly two instances, I can recall very, very clearly, uh, three instances, actually, we just turned around and said, Look, let, we're obviously, it's not obviously not working out. Even though we were mid-contract, we were just like, look, it's obviously not working out. Let's just save ourselves all a bit of heartache and we'll help you find another IT provider. We'll help you move away. We're not going to hold you to contract. I appreciate you're probably not getting the service that you feel you you deserve or expect. I apologize and say, you know, well, we obviously have failed somewhere along the line. So you're not kind of going in really hard and fast and saying this is all your fault. You're kind of going, well, look there's obviously a disconnect here, whether it's you or us, like, I, I don't know, we've obviously failed at something here. So let's just figure out a situation where you get the IT support that you're looking for. So find, find them an alternative, help them find someone or just at least just give them notice and say, look, just take as either as much time as you want, or at least, you know, take a month or two, go find someone else. And when you're ready to move, we'll help you move. We'll, we'll you know, hand over all the keys to the other IT company, whatever it might be. And um, in every single one of those situations, it worked out to our favor. Two of them took our advice. They found other people. We handed them off. We were absolutely delighted. Our staff, even more so importantly, were absolutely delighted because they were just being a pain in the backside. There was one client who didn't go, but they actually came back straight away and apologized and said, look, I'm so, so sorry. Like, we don't want to leave. You're the best company we've come across. Like, what do we do? How do we still work together? Um, and when you're in the thick of it running an IT business, you don't hear it, that kind of thing that often. Um, you just kind of expect them to be like, yeah, you're crap, aren't you? Let's just go find someone else. But they actually came back and said, no, no, we, we don't want to go anywhere. Like, how do we how do we work together? And um, we basically came back and said, look, we can, we can work together as long as we don't kind of deal with this particular person because they were one person causing lots of the problems. And they're like, cool, done. Like, you're never going to hear from them again. Can we go ahead? And we're like, yeah, absolutely fine. Keep going. And we carried on that client for, well, for, for a long, long time after, like until, you know, after I sold the business. Um, so that was a very, very good, uh, even more so good result, I felt, because it's not very, uh, again, it's not very often you get the reassurance you're doing a good job. And to basically kick a client out the door and then be desperately wanted to come back to you, 
that's really, really nice and nicely reassuring to to hear. Um, but yeah, certainly in, in response to the question, like both sides of the kind of uh, the argument, whether, generally speaking, it's worth kicking the, the clients. You, know, you always should really kick clients. Um, but I have had and I have seen in a couple of situations waiting, waiting out can also be beneficial as long as you can like outlast or out survive the problem in the client that you've got the problems with. But that's, a, right. you know, how long the piece of string. Yeah, he gives Mike gives like four different methodologies for pruning the vine. Um, one of them was that Pete just, you know, making them deprioritizing them and just let them self-select to another provider. So it doesn't always have to be confrontational, yeah. but I think just having that, having that regular part of your process, again, you talked about the, the next 12 months, those are the things you can write down. Everybody's all jumped on board with price increases this year. Uh, everybody's all on board for that. That's another one is just, you know, pruning out that vine so that you've got better energy uh, to spend with the clients who do actually uh, deserve it. Uh, Richard, Scott, you guys have any thoughts on that? I'm going to welcome Sam. Sam James said he just joining us live for the first time this week. Hey, Sam. Uh, so we appreciate you uh, joining us this week, Sam. And Tony Edwards is showing up. He said, interesting topic this week. I've been planning for 2023 over the past couple of weeks, and I think I need to give Profit First a read over the festive season. For sure. For sure. Welcome back to the show, Tony. Appreciate that. So anyway, Scott, Richard, you guys have any other further thoughts on pruning the vine or just other, we can move on to the next topic if you guys want as well. Um, but I think, you no, know, I think we started it... off with a couple good ones there, taking time, yeah. you know, taking the money out for your business, taking the time out for you, uh, and then prioritizing who you want to work with next year. Yeah, I think it's, it's really important to keep looking at those customers. And I think it's, it's, <clears throat> it's so important to not just look at the money side of things, the revenue that's coming in from those customers and the margin that we're making. Although that is a huge part of something that we need to, to chat about, you know, soon today, I think is, is making sure we are being profitable with, you know, with those clients. But I think it's super important just from your team sanity, their mental health, you know, their, their ability to put up with the, these types of customers, because, and, and we talked about this last week, there are, there are customers that you know who they are and you know, they take a lot of time, a lot of pain, a lot of effort. And a lot of times it's just around expectation setting. Exactly. As Pete said, it's about having the conversation with them to go, Hey, you know, this, this isn't how we work or this isn't what we agreed to, or maybe there's a disconnect between, you know, expectation and, and the service that we, we signed up for. Can we, can we have a conversation? Um, and a lot of times I'll see, you know, when you chat to MSPs, they haven't had that conversation. They're worried about having that conversation because they don't want to upset the revenue that's coming in. And they're nervous of having a confrontation with the client that will mean, you know, it's got to come to a head. But oftentimes you'll have that conversation and it's so much nicer than you thought, or it's so much, so much easier than you thought. You know, at the end of the day, you built a relationship with these people when you sold the service and you, you know, you commissioned it. And okay, maybe, you know, people have changed over time. But ultimately, you know, you guys do a good job as an MSP. They are a client. They have MSP needs that you definitely understand. And there are things that you can and can't do inside your packages and your service levels that you, you, you know, you're very proud of. You're very, you know, happy that you can deliver in those timeframes. It's an easy conversation to have to just go, hey, 
you know, you keep asking for these types of things like, oh, it's an, an emergency. We've got a, you know, a massive emergency, brand new starter just came in. Like, yeah, but you do this every three weeks. You drop it on us and then you kick and you shout and you scream. If you, you know, if we could find a better way to work together, then we can we can stop this frustration happening every three weeks. But as it is, you get stressed, our team gets stressed, and nobody's happy. So how do we fix that? And if you've genuinely had those conversations a number of times and it just isn't working, and this could equally be about payments and not getting payments on time, because you deserve to get paid on time. In fact, you deserve to get paid in advance for a lot of your services. If you've had the conversations consistently and you just can't seem to bring the client round, then I think that's where we would be talking about pruning and, and moving those clients on. And again, you know, being super helpful and, and helping them select, maybe you have a partner, you know, ecosystem that you could refer them to. And again, be really honest with your partner and go, hey, we're going to recommend this client to you. Here are the challenges that we've had. And we've just kind of reached our threshold for this. Um, unless you really don't like the partner, in which case you say, hey, these guys, these clients are amazing. <laughs> I just, I think they've outgrown us. And what they need is someone just far better, far, far better, you know, with service than, than we can provide. And that's why I immediately thought of you guys. And I just think you're the team that can take them to the next level, right? <laughs> um, there's always nice ways to say everything, right? Um, but I, I do think it's super important. And especially at this time of year, you've got to be looking at those clients and thinking, are, is it the right kind of client for us? Genuinely, have they outgrown us or, or are they too small? Do they fit inside our sweet spot of, of clients that we can give an amazing service to inside the things that we want to be awesome at for the next 12 months? Is this a good fit still? Have that think. And, and whilst you're there, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this, let's look at the profitability of those clients and let's look at what we're charging and how we're going to put our prices up and how are we going to have that conversation with them as well? Yeah. I yeah, think no, the, um, my... the profitability thing is a key part there. I mean, you, you mentioned it a few times. We've all mentioned it. I think we even mentioned it last week as well. But um, And I probably yeah. said the same last week. The number of people that don't track the profitability of their clients really is astonishing. Like, If you're worried that you're so busy and you don't get time to do anything, you need to know which clients of yours are demanding so much of your time and not paying you enough. Because um, they, I guarantee it, there'll be some clients in every MSP where you are doing far more um, labor, laborious work for them than they're actually physically paying you for, including all the subscriptions and things they pay you for. So figure out who those clients are, figure out a way to fix the problem one way or another, whether you are handing them off to somebody else, whether you just have those conversations with them. Um, and and the, the thing is, if you have the data, it's so much easier to have those conversations. You can show them and say, look, look, here, here is literally what our systems say. We are spending hours and hours compared to the, you know, the tuppence you're actually paying us. What do you suggest we do? Like we can let you go or we figure out a way to fix this problem. Because if you're not Every doing- Every business owner will understand if you speak to them about profitability, because unless you're profitable, it's not sustainable. If you're not sustainable, and most of us got in this industry to help people, well, you're not gonna be around to help somebody 
you know, uh, the week after. So if you have a one-on-one conversation with business owners and say, look, you are not profitable. This is not profitable for us. Nobody, I mean, if, if first of all, if they turn around as the client and go, not our problem, massive red flag, let them go <laughs> because yeah. they don't understand the way this works. It's going to work for everybody. This is not a zero sum game, but you know, every business owner I've spoken to about, you know, this, this is not profitable for us. How can we work this out? You either, one of two things happens, either they pay more, uh, to compensate you for, you know, to, to in- increase your profitability there, or more likely they will say, okay, where are the issues coming from? And we touched upon this last week, didn't we, uh, Andrew? And we talked about training. You know, I used to be a big believer in this. We would look at root cause analysis in our clients and find out the members of staff who were logging the most tickets and then look at the type of tickets they were logging. More often than not, when we had a conversation with a business owner about profitability of the contract, it's just not working out for us. When we dug down, it would be, oh yeah, so-and-so is logging too many tickets or you know, so-and-so needs training or we need this product uh, replacing or whatever it might be. So for everybody watching, you know, if you missed last week's show on lowering cost of support, increasing profit, I would hugely encourage you to go and check that. Hey, and Scott, I wanted to say something to you, just a a point as well. You know, you were jokingly, I know you were saying it jokingly about referring uh, clients who are not a good fit for you onto your worst enemies. (laughs) So just get rid of them and go across to there. I have spoken to so many MSPs who have got absolutely horrible, horrible clients. And I've said, well, just refer them away. And they said, oh, I wouldn't wish them upon my worst enemy. But I said to them, here's the serious point about this. What, because they're not a good fit for you doesn't mean they won't be a good fit for somebody else. I found that some clients that I worked with, my MSP worked with, and we they were just awful. They paid late. They didn't listen to our advice. They were all, you know, everybody know everybody listening to this knows those type of clients. But then when we went to them and said, hey, look, uh, we've gone in a different direction. We don't think we're going to be a good fit for you. Let us refer you off to such and such local provider. And almost every time the MSPs that I've referred them to have come back to me like six months, a year later and said, Rick, thanks so much for that referral. They have turned into a brilliant client for us. And I'm thinking, are these the same people? But what it underlines is just because it's not a good fit for you doesn't mean it won't be a good fit for somebody else. So I would absolutely refer business off with all the caveats that you mentioned, Scott, you know, saying, hey, they're not a good fit for us because of this, that and the other. Do you want the referral? And what you find is it's a lot easier going to a client and saying, we don't think we're a good fit for you, but we're not dropping you in it. Here's somebody we do think is going to be a good fit for you. It's a win for for you. It's a win for the other MSP. And it's a win for the clients as well. You're not burning any bridges. So just some thoughts on that. I think it's it's also a good time for the clients as well to understand that they have a relationship with an IT provider who's turned around and said, hey, this isn't working for us. So I'm going to find you. I'm going to work with you to find a partner who is a good fit. It's kind of a good checkpoint for them to go, oh, uh, I just kind of thought like everybody was like this and we pay and and we demand and, and this is what we get. And so it's kind of like a, a refresh point for them to go, oh, maybe we we do need to kind of reset our expectations a bit. And so at that stage, they're kind of open to the conversation with the new provider and they have an opportunity, the two of them, to negotiate what will be a good service going forward. They don't just immediately pick up those same expectations and lump them on a new provider. Like if they'd got to the point of being frustrated themselves and just found someone else. Because 
you see this, like when that client gets fed up with IT provider A and they go and source IT provider B, they tell the new guys all the nice stuff. Oh, we're easy to deal with. Oh, we're super simple. I don't understand why they never answer the phone. Like these are all the problems that we have. And so the you know, new provider just gets one side of the story. Whereas when you work in this method and you, you move them across, you go, hey, I'm, I'm going to speak to the provider. I'll let them know all the tickets we've had, what challenges we've had in keeping up with you. And then like everyone's clued in. And so the new provider is taking it on kind of with open eyes. Uh, and everybody's got that opportunity to just kind of hit refresh, I think, in that relationship. So it's it's a really good method to do things. Yeah. And I think, you know, if if you're having those regular technology business reviews, whatever you call them, uh, that those conversations can can come up. And I, I'm actually am surprised by that, that when we're talking about data, uh, when I bring on new coaching clients, that's the first thing we go through. List all of your clients out on a spreadsheet. What services are you selling them? What you're, what are you not selling them? It's what we talked about last week. How, how do we, or week before that, when we talked about lifetime value, so that's the first thing we look at. Second thing I look at is, okay, we take those same clients and are they profitable? What is your all-in seat price from Gary Pika? Um, and how many tickets do they create? How many tickets do they create each month is the one that I am flabbergasted that a lot of IT companies don't know. And you can easily pull that data out of your PSA, but the problem is they're not tracking it. Like they're not tracking the tickets enough to be able to say these amount of tickets are getting generated against this contract. So that would definitely be on my to-do list right now to put in some point over the next three weeks to figure that out. What is your all-in seat price for your customers? What are you not selling them? And how many tickets do they create? Do, you know, so that you can evaluate that. Um, and anyway, I did post the link to Mike McCallowitz's, uh, uh website. And he does have free resources on his website with each of his books, by the way. Um, one of them is that pumpkin plan. It's a spreadsheet where you can, and then you can go in and figure out. And it's the same. It's a very basic spreadsheet. Put in all your customers and figure and grade them using that spreadsheet based upon criteria that you set. Then you know, okay, these customers are in again, it's not always based on profitability. Uh, but these are the customers that we want to move away from. So let's talk about, so we've, I think those are takeaways that if you're just joining us, uh, that we definitely, um, want to implement the next one that, that we kind of see and you, we've all bounced around this, uh, in different forums on the tribe and Reddit, and we're starting to see is, uh, the rumors of regulation, uh, coming in the new year. Um, where do you guys see that? What can MSPs do to prepare for the eventuality, which is regulation in our industry? I think it was, um, I can't remember who shared it, but there's been some like initial rumors and it's always initial rumors that there's no hardcore concrete evidence-based information coming out of the government here in the UK. But, um, the information I saw was more about that the first inklings of, uh, regulation would be that MSPs would have to report any breaches. I think that was the, that was mm -hmm. the, the kind of the writing or yep. wording they used, which is kind of what we should be doing anyway, as MSPs and what you should be doing. You know, if, you, if someone's been breached, you should be going to places like the authorities, the police to report the breach and just let them know so they can go and you know, chase it down and investigate and do whatever they need to do. Things like the ICO, if there's any data leaks involved, obviously speak to the ICO about that as well. But um, 
I think it just again kind of reiterates the fact that we all know regulation is coming. We don't know what shape or form that involves yet, but we can probably make some good assumptions on you know what what the starts of that might be. Things like cyber essentials, and um, you know the uh, I'd certainly think at least cyber essentials basic would be a minimum requirement requirement for all MSPs and all kind of IT consultants. But then I wonder if that is just too basic because we all know people can just tick the box and say, yeah, we're, we're, we're certified and qualified and we know what we're doing and they're not. Uh, so I wonder and I'd like to really see that Cyber Essentials Plus is the minimum requirement for every MSP. Because um, I, I, I think that's something that's, I guess, attainable by lots of MSPs apart from maybe the, you know, the startups because Cyber Essentials is, I don't know, Scott, if you know, is it like couple of grand or so isn't it two and a half grand for cyber essentials plus something along those lines uh, not even it's like uh, in in uk pounds like 1300 uh and, oh, it's, okay. and it's a self-assessment questionnaire um it can be guided by an agency there's a couple of good agencies here in the uk but we we flew through that in in our renewal this year um and we renewed our cyber essentials plus as well and, and bear in mind we took on Cyber Essentials and Plus when we were a three-person operation. Um, so it's very doable. It's it's also super doable at that size because you, you don't have a lot to audit, right? And then you kind of grow up in those behaviors. So it's, it's kind of easier the smaller you are, um, but it's certainly not at a price point where it's, um, you know, not affordable. It's it's mm-hmm. absolutely affordable. Even at Cyber Essentials Plus, I want to say it's like £2,000 in, in UK. So maybe $2,500, something like that. Um but it's it's very affordable, um, and I think if if regulation does come, I, I mean, Cyber Essentials Plus would be my minimum. That the, the yeah. self-assessing questionnaire you can fly through it with stock answers that you can get off the internet, um, and and I don't mean to be disparaging. I think it is it's a very important process, but I, I I think my point is I would just encourage you if you're an MSP to aim higher, uh, and so you should be looking at Cyber Essentials Plus. Um, I think in Andrew, I think you're dropping the link. In the US, you have a slightly different framework, if I'm right. Yeah, it's it's all over the place. This is one that uh, Richard just gave me this resource. Carl Palachuk, who's a, the godfather of the MSP industry, if you will, <laughs> um, has a uh, the National Society of IT Service Providers, which, which again, I think that that is what is needed, the ability yeah. for the IT community to come together itself. Yes. Uh, and to come up with the standards before an entity. Before someone else does, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. Um, and that's why, this is why Carl put together this organization, yeah. um, Society of IT Service Providers, a US-based organization, or at least North American, I think, um, because yeah. they could see the, the, the writing on the wall here. There is going to be regulation. There is going to be, you know, a, a minimum standard for IT providers. And that's broadly speaking a good thing because how many people listening to this show, watching this show, are sick to death of going into client sites that they've inherited from you know uh, Joe's fishing tackle and laptop repair store down the road, who's been doing <laughs> IT support for a company, and they've made a complete mess of it, or they're doing illegal stuff, or or whatever it might be that's in there. So many cowboys in this industry. We do need regulation, uh, but what Carl's doing with the National uh, Society of IT Service Providers in the US is sort of uh, getting a getting a leap on that whole thing. Yeah. My view around accreditation, certifications, regulation, that type of thing is the real value 
in going through it voluntarily at this stage. And I, I would encourage everybody listening, everybody watching, to start looking at the standards that these uh, that guys are talking about now. Um, we went through one uh, back in the day uh, that was called a Credit UK, uh, and it was bought out by CompTIA, and I, I believe the standards disappeared, sadly, uh, to this day. But we went through that not because we wanted a shiny little badge to put on our website, because nobody is going to knock your door down saying, hey, you're ISO 27001 qualified or you've got this badge. We've got to do business with you. That's not the way it works. The real value in going through these accreditations, these regulations, is going through them because it makes you a more mature business. It is a framework to look at your business and say, here's what you're doing well, here's where you need to improve things. And rather than trying to work that out yourself, these frameworks that are put together, are, I think are really good for the, you know, the process of going through them and making your business better. So don't go through these things just because you want a badge to put on your website, but do go through them to improve your business and do start thinking about going through them in 2023, because as everybody here today has said, in 2024, 2025, whenever it might be, something like these standards is going to become mandatory. And it's going to be something that you have to have in place uh, uh, to do this type of business. It may take longer than that, but it's going to come sooner or later, I think. Yeah, for sure. Tony Edwards said, yeah, Cyber Essentials has been on his project timeline for the past few months. But that will be a job for the next year for now. I'm also looking at stressing to a few of my clients to get up to that as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's super important. And I think like the, the comfort that you get from knowing that your clients are set up properly and have passed those essential, you know, even cyber essentials is such a good start because what do we always tell customers? The two biggest ways you're going to get hacked is someone's going to click on a link they shouldn't have clicked and someone didn't have MFA set up. Those are the two things. Ta-da! 99.9% yeah. .9 of hacks, according to Microsoft. Why not? Um, if you get someone through cyber essentials, at least those two things are knocked out the way. If you get them through plus then you also know it's all the great stuff like the firewalls are in good shape. They're not running as local admin on their machine. You've got some kind of software management. You've got some patching engine. You've audited every device and, and all the software on there is up to date at the time that the audit happened. Okay, great. Well, you know, that at least once a year, if that's when the audit happens, we know this was in really good shape and you've managed to put your stack together to look after those devices and maintain them. But right now, they are good enough security-wise to pass this audit. Um, if we have anyone from Australia as well, I believe they call it Essential 8 in Australia. That's their version. Um, but I just think this is super important, you know, for, for you as the MSP to get through these um you know, CE plus, as I say, to get your customers up to CE at a minimum, uh, well, the CIS controls is a, is a great one. I think Westway, John from Westway is just posting the CIS controls is a fantastic resource. Again, um, we've actually mapped out the CIS controls to M365 business premium controls and just gone, right, here's, here's how we implement all those controls. Right. where we can from a technology perspective. And that just means we have a blueprint to go in and go, hey, you know, we can get you through Cyber Essentials or CIS accreditation with this blueprint and a, and a business premium set of licenses, um, which is, is really helpful. But it just, it gives you the confidence that you're not going to have a customer phone you up and say, oh, Dave's had his email hacked. Uh, oh no, we're sending out tons of emails and we don't know what's happening and, and customers are complaining. We keep sending spam emails with dodgy links to them and you're like, cool, 
someone's had their their email hacked, they've had a business email compromise, and now we've got to tidy it up. And you know, think about that for a second. You're the IT provider who who's been called in to tidy up this mess that you could have prevented in the first place. And we know that a lot of times you'll chat to the clients and they'll keep putting it off. They keep putting it off because they don't really understand the risk. And you can talk to them to their blue in the face about what the risks are and how it's not good for their business. And they're putting their people at risk. Ultimately, you just have to push it on them and say, no, this is happening. This is happening within the next three, six months, whatever it is. You put the deadline. It has to happen. Otherwise, we can't be your IT provider. That's how strongly you have to word these things. Because when the regulation starts to come in, the responsibility is going to land on you guys. You're going to be the guys left from the, from the regulation and the potential you know, legal fees and ramifications did you explain this well enough? Were you abundantly clear that if they didn't do this, they were at risk? Did they understand when you explained it to them? Because if you if you can't prove this in black and white, that you told them and you told them again and you told them what you told them and they still said no and then they got breached, this could come knocking on your doorstep. And that's yeah. why I'm really bullish around you have to secure them. You have to push the customers into a secure state because they will just keep putting it off. Sorry, I'm ranting, but it's just, it's super important that I don't want to see MSPs, especially with this regulation coming in. I don't want to see MSPs left holding the bag because our customers kept putting us off when it came to rolling out the security updates or the patches or whatever it is. We have to be really, I, I, I don't want to say proactive. I want to be pushy. We need to push these security things on them and force them to comply. And that's why it's good for us to have the standards in our own business because then we know what it really means to deploy it in theirs. I will shut up for a second, but I just think it's so important. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, touching on that, like I would love to see that education component be baked into the minimum viable standards in an MSP plan, not Oh, you got to be on our top tier to get education. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think, you know, MFA tool, like there's things at a, at the entry level minimum viable service that you provide your customers that should be there, not extras, you know, MFA, the education, anything else that you can think of that you think is, you know, the minimum standard of care uh, for an MSP. Those are the ones that come to the top of my mind, you know, MFA and education. And, and if they don't want those minimum and they don't want to pay for those minimum, you really don't want them as a client yeah. because they're not prepared to take these things seriously. And you are going to be left holding the can when Dave's email account gets hacked. They're going to come to you and you're going to have to, even if they don't come to you for recompense because you'll have the contracts in place that say, hey, no consequential loss and all that kind of stuff. You're still the guys that are going to get called up on a Saturday afternoon and have to figure out what happened and tidy it up and sort it out and then spend days and weeks cleaning up to make sure the, the, the bad guys are definitely out, overproving it back to your client, putting more controls and more management and more reports in place to evidence back to them, hey, this, this hasn't happened since, it won't happen again, we're taking really super good care of you. And, and the second that something else that looks vaguely related to a cybersecurity incident comes back, they're going to come right back to you. Hey, is this related to that time when you let us get hacked? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't let you get hacked. You wouldn't <laughs> let me put the secure. Yeah, well, you re you remember. Yeah, I do remember. I remember you wouldn't let me do my job. All of that stuff's going to happen. So again, exactly as you said, Andrew, like your 
if, if you're doing good, better, best or bronze, silver, gold, whatever it is, your minimum plan has to be good enough for you as the MSP on security. That's your minimum. Don't compromise on that. And then you have your better services on top. Yeah. And if that changes your pricing model, so be it. So I mean, it. that is, yeah. that, that it is what it is now. So I've, yeah. I've seen yeah, too, um, to Scott's comment about kind of being a bit more pushy. I've seen people be a lot more successful lately of just going out there and saying, look, this is happening from next month. Your price is going up. Like you'll get billed. Yeah. It, it needs yeah. to happen. I'd be interested to yeah. know if anyone else, I don't know if anyone else is watching or, um, would, you know, whoever's watching this after leave it in the comments, but if anyone else has tried that yet, because everyone that I've seen that have tried that, they've just had not a single comeback from a client. It's just like, yep, okay, we understand. Prices go up, like, done. But there's no kind of issues with just doing the work. Um, certainly, obviously, with maybe something like Cyber Essentials Plus, because that's quite a big financial commitment. But certainly in terms of, like, small price increases about, you know, the hourly rates you charge or what have you, don't have to necessarily um, ask for permission, but at least tell them with enough notice to prepare for the changes. So I think that's the key is like make the changes, just implement them. As long as you give them notice, that's a critical thing. But you don't have to sit there and yeah. saying, look, well, we're thinking of putting our prices up to this next month. If that's okay, if you approve our um, thing, then we'll, we'll then send you an updated like that. Just it's going to, no one's going to reply to that email, are you? If your, um, yeah. if your electricity or gas provider said, we'd, we'd like to put the prices up to this next month. Is that okay? You're all going to just go, no, or just ignore the email and pretend you've not seen it. So you, you just do the opposite and just go, okay, prices go up from January the 1st, you know, well, February the 1st, if you haven't got enough time now, done. Like, that, that's all you need to worry about. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, yeah, Netflix good- have done it. YouTube's done it. Disney Plus have done it. We've all had the email that goes, hey, you know, your price is going to go up by, you know, 3 or $4 starting next month. But here's a reminder of all the great services that you have from us today. And here's what we're planning for the next 6 and 12 months. You don't do anything. You just kind of go, Ugh, price is going up. I don't care what the email says, price is going up. And then when the direct debit or, you know, the, the card payment is slightly higher next month, you're like, oh, yeah, they told me the price was going up. Okay. Yeah. yeah, whatever. It's a totally accepted part, yeah. totally part of business. And I would go as far as to say, I've, I've, you know, this is a soapbox topic for me. So you're not the only one ranting on this episode, Scott. Um, <laughs> if you don't put your prices up regularly with your clients, it makes you look unprofessional because every professional business puts their prices up regularly, yeah. at least annually and sometimes more often than that. So if you don't put your prices up, and, you know, we've all been in that situation where, uh, you know, you've not put your prices up for a year, then another year. Before you know it, three years has gone by. Then you've got to get to your clients and go, yeah, we've got to give you a whacking great price increase to bring you back online. It's like, ugh, it's icky. Yeah. It's horrible. So get used to doing it regularly because, as Scott just said, we are so used to other professional organizations, ISPs, telecoms, you know, utility providers, whoever it might be, entertainment providers, they put the prices up regularly. And we yeah. may not may not like it, but we accept it because it's a part of doing business. So please do put your prices up as part of your planning for 2023. For sure. Lots of great takeaways on this one. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad we started off at the personal level. So thank you, Pete. Uh, I like that, that uh, booking the time on a quarterly basis uh, up front. That way you've got time blocked for, for next year for you so you can keep growing. So. Well, that is going to wrap this show. I know uh, Richard's got a jet, so we appreciate all of you hanging out. Uh, Tony, John, and those of others who hung out with us live today. 
And if you're listening to this on the flip side on the podcast, we appreciate all of the love and support you guys give us week in and week out. So that will wrap this show. We'll figure out a topic for next week. And uh, we'll see everybody next week on the Not an MSP show. See ya. See you guys.